Well, good morning. Good morning to you if you are here in the room with us this morning. Good morning to those of you who are watching us live online. And good morning if you are watching online at a later date. I know there are many of you who uh, your time to be a part of Connect Church is at a different time during the week. So wherever you find yourselves, thanks for uh, making some time this week to be uh, here with us in church and uh, learning more about what God wants to say to us and how we can live our lives. Uh, Andy was just doing the answers there, and maybe you thought you misheard him when he said week nine. You did not. This is week nine of this series, Build the Church. Now, I'm not sure that we've ever done a series that has gone that long, but the problem is James. James is a short letter in the New Testament, but there's so much good stuff in it. This guy was so wise, and it's not really one letter on one subject. There's all these different subjects that James talks about, all of which were relevant to the readers um, of his day, but all of which have become relevant to us as well. I keep finding that as we're um, looking at another passage in James, it's like, wow, it's like he's written this for us today. No more so than what we're going to talk about today. You're going to be blown away with what we're talking about today. But uh, before we jump to that, the reason we called the series Build the Church is because James was writing to a scattered church. Uh, He was writing at a time when in the New Testament, Jesus had died and risen again. uh, And then these new followers of Jesus, the church was growing, uh, growing rapidly. And as a result, was coming under persecution. So they're in Jerusalem because of the persecution the Christians faced. They, they scattered to all the corners of the, the known world at the time. So they were kind of building the church in different areas around that time. So James was writing a letter to be read by all followers of Christian, all, all followers, all Christians, all followers of Jesus, um, all over the place. And we thought, what better subject to be looking at as we today kind of find ourselves as the scattered church. Some of you here who call Connect Church your church home are here in the room, spread out safely this morning. Some of you are watching online. We, we are the scattered church. Uh, and yet still, what James has to teach is so relevant to us. You know, at the very beginning, when we started out the series, we introduced a t-shirt that we designed. Uh, those t-shirts are on sale in the lobby this morning. You can also buy them online at connectwashington.org forward slash build. And the reason we designed this t-shirt is because there is an organization here in Washington called My Sister's House. And we thought part of the Build the Church series would be a great way to show that how we're building the church is impacting uh, a local organization. So My Sister's house is a house just on the east side of town that a couple here in town purchased and renovated and now use as a place that single mums who are trying to get their lives back together, trying to get their lives situated, uh, they can come and live there for free and they can do college or they can get back into to working. And, and over the years since it's been open, they've really been able to help a lot of single parent families, a lot of kids. So we just love what they're doing. We love that they're doing in our community. So we decided we would uh, create these t-shirts and every single shirt we sell, all of the proceeds, the entire um, cost of the t-shirt is going to go to them. So if you have made it through nine weeks of this series, 
you deserve a shirt. It's like a trophy now. You can wear it. You can say, I made it through the entire, uh, there's another one next week, 10 weeks of uh, Build the Church. And also, not only do you get to wear it as a badge of honor, you get to support a wonderful local organization. So check those out if you're here today in person. Check them out online and support a great local organization. So James is, what we're going to talk about this morning, you'll be like, man, it's like James knew that in 2020 we needed to hear this message because it is so timely. So to set it up, I want you to come back with me to February of 2020. It was just six short months ago, but I want you to go back there in your minds, just picture yourself. What was, what was life like for you back in February? Maybe you were sat around it as a family, you were looking towards school coming to an end, you were making some plans. Maybe you had a kid in high school who was reaching uh, his, the end of his, his or her senior year and you're starting to think about where they're going to go to college, what graduation is going to be like, how the graduation party is going to be. Um, perhaps you were looking at some vacation options. You were thinking, man, where are we going to go this summer? Where are we going to travel to? Should we go somewhere here in the States? Should we travel overseas this year? Looking on the web? websites, making your travel plans. Perhaps some of you were on Ticketmaster and you wanted to know who was going to be in concert this summer. I can't wait to be outdoors, tens of thousands of people all crammed up next to each other, singing along to Taylor Swift or whoever it is, I don't know. So you were kind of making your plans about what you wanted to do. And then everything changed. COVID-19. I came across these pictures this week that kind of just summed it up completely. If you're a fan of The Office, you'll like this. This picture of Kevin here, my plans. That's how you felt back in February. And then this picture, 2020. <laughs> if you remember that scene from The Office, that kind of sums up how this year has been, doesn't it? And listen to what James is talking about 2,000 years ago. So those first words of Jesus, it's just going to tie in so much with where we are today. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town. We'll stay there a year. We'll do business there. We'll make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it's sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So James is talking about this idea of making plans. And if you have a Bible that you read along, or even on your Bible app, sometimes you'll find that um, it's broken up into sections. Now, when the original writer wrote he or she, they didn't write them in sections like that. But the people who have translated the Bible and laid out Bibles, they'll break into sections so it's easier for us to find a particular passage. And then sometimes they'll put a heading to kind of sum up what that passage is about. One of the Bibles I came across this week, the heading of this passage that I just read said, Boasting About Tomorrow. That was the title of this particular section. Another one said, a warning about self-confidence. A warning about self-confidence. And if I had to sum up what I want to talk about this morning, based on what James has written in these few short verses, those titles would pretty much be the title of my message. A warning about self-confidence. 
So let's take a look at this together. But before we do, let's, let's make sure we, we don't get caught up in what James isn't saying, okay? Because he seems to be challenging a certain person here this morning, and it's that person who would say something like this. Today or tomorrow, we are going to go to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. So if you're a planner here this morning, you might hear this thing, uh-oh, James is kind of challenging the planners out there. He's saying that you're wrong to make plans. Is that what James is saying here, that I was wrong to be a planner? Well, I don't think it is. Although if there was a year that God would want to teach us it's wrong to make plans, this is that year. But I don't think that is the scriptural um, teaching that is coming here. In fact, if you read the New Testament, you'll discover that Jesus in both in all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was very specific with the plans that he left for his followers. They had very clear plans of how to, to build and grow the church. Then in the book of Acts, if you've ever read Acts, that's the book that comes right after the life of Jesus. It's kind of the birth of the first church. You see those plans playing out. Guys like Paul and Peter are following Jesus' direction. You, you can see them planning together. You, why don't you go to this town and I'll go to this town? And They're making plans. So obviously there's nothing wrong with making plans. That's not what James is saying. Maybe you're here this morning, the, the capitalists among you are getting a little bit nervous as you're thinking, well, is James addressing the profiteers when he says something like, we will do business there and make a profit? Am I in trouble for thinking that way? Well, no. James isn't even addressing that. There have been some wonderful men and women of God over the years who, who have started and built and grown incredible businesses. Here's one of my favorites. His name is Truett Cathy. If you know Truett Cathy, he's a very strong follower of Jesus. And he also um, built the empire we now know as Chick-fil-A. Oh. <laughs> the greatest chicken sandwich known to mankind. <laughs> If I was with Truitt right now, he's passed away, but if I got to see him today, I would say thank you for giving us the most amazing chicken sandwich ever. And he would say, my pleasure. <laughs> he was a great businessman. He built a huge business. He made a lot of money, a lot of profits. But he was also a follower of Jesus. So obviously James isn't talking against making business, building profit. He's not saying um, that you shouldn't have big plans. He's not even saying you shouldn't do big things. What he's saying is that you shouldn't have big plans or do big things that don't include God as a part of it. That's who he's talking to. He's, he's addressing a group of people. He's addressing an attitude of some people who are kind of saying, this is what I'm going to do. Check out what my plans are. Check out what I'm going to do. And James is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How does God fit into those plans? What is God's role in those plans? He is addressing an attitude. This is what he says in verse 16. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. When God's not a part of it, James says, you are, these are your plans. These are your pretentious plans that you're boasting about. I think he's reminding his audience back then, he's reminding us today the importance of making, a God, of making God a part of our plans. Listen to what he says in verse 15. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. So I don't think James is saying that we should use that phrase in everything we, should, in everything we say. 
I'm going to go to Kroger tomorrow and, and do a pickup if the Lord wants me to. <laughs> Next week, the kids are going back to school if the Lord, Lord wants them to. And that actually is, <laughs> who knows, if the Lord wants them to or not. So I don't think we have to specific, although I do know some wonderful godly people who do use phrases like God willing and Lord willing. And I think that's great because they really are framing their, their planning and their goals through you know, the fact that they know that, hey, it's all Lord willing. I don't think we have to specifically use the language every time, but I do think we have to live our lives aware of the fact that everything we do, everything we plan, everything we, we intend to do, it's with the understanding that but we are trusting that this is where God would have us go, that he will go with us in all that we do. If you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, that means that at some point in your life, this car that you were driving called your life, you pulled over and you said, Jesus, I want to invite you to get on in. I want you to be a part of my life. Well, Jesus, you don't have to sit in the back. You can sit up front here with me, right there in the passenger seat. Whoa, whoa, Jesus, don't take the wheel. I take the wheel. But as that famous verse said, Jesus, take the wheel. Country music there. For all you country fans, <laughs> don't tell anyone I said that. He wants to be a, not just a part of our life, he wants to be the center of our life. He wants to be at the wheel of our life. And this is what James is addressing. And then to really hit the point home, to really um, explain serious, how serious he is about this, he, he frames this whole conversation in the concept of time. He brings this whole idea home just in the idea of how this affects us in time. Do you know, I've got a, an app on my phone. It's the weather app, and it's a great app. It tells me what the temperature here is in Washington. I can plug in any city around the world, tell me all the different cities. But part of the weather app is it also tells me what time every day the sun will rise and what time it will set. Now, I didn't realize how accurate the weather app is until recently. I think we've got a picture here of the weather app. You can see there that it said that this was Saturday. I took a screenshot at 7.54 p.m. yesterday. The sun was due to set in Washington. Here's how I know how accurate this is. A few years back, we were on a beach vacation, and it was um, a particular location where you could go down to the beach when the sun was setting, and you could watch the sun set over the ocean. Have you ever been somewhere like that where you actually get to watch the sunset? It's beautiful. People are lined up taking pictures because, you know, as the sun's setting, the sky's changing color. It's just an amazing thing. And, and I remember looking at my app, and it said the sun was going to set at 7.54, so I made sure I was down there at the beach by 7.30 because I didn't want to miss it, and I got to see it. And it's, it's crazy because the closer it gets to the ocean, it's like it's speeds up, like you see it hit the ocean, then you can literally just watch it disappearing over the horizon. And I can remember looking and taking some pictures, and it was just a tiny bit of the sun left. I mean, there was just this little tiny bit of a circle left, and almost to the second as it disappeared, I saw my clock change to 7.54. I'm like, that's like exactly right. <laughs> like, it's not just the sun's going to set round around sometime around 7.54. Like, no, at 7.54, that thing will disappear over the horizon. So I'm like, that's pretty good. So I started looking through my phone and uh, went on the app store to find out if there was an app like that that would uh, tell me the exact time that my life would come to an end. I thought, that'd be cool. You know, if they can do it with sunsets, maybe there's somewhere out there that will tell me exactly how many days I've got left. And as much as I love Apple and think they're amazing, they haven't figured that one out yet. 
They do have an app on the watch where if my heart stops beating, I think my wife gets a text. So they're kind of, they're, they'll at least let you know if your life's ended, but there's not an app yet that will tell you when it's going to end because none of us know, do we? None of us know how long our lives will be. But God does. I believe God does know. He knows the day, the hour, the time. He knows how long our life will going to be. And James wants to get across this point that however long it is, 10, 15, 20, 50, 70, however long we get to spend on this earth compared to eternity is such a short time. Listen to what he says in verse 14. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. Another translation puts it this way, verse 14. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That's what our life is like, like a mist, a vapor. I brought with me a spray bottle up onto the stage to uh, illustrate this. These are the ones we use to clean the auditorium, disinfect, sanitize after each service. So this is the comparison James making. This is our life, like a mist, and it's gone. And compare that from a time point of view to how long I'm up here speaking. Okay, so this compared to the length of time I'm up here, which actually works out to be a perfect illustration because people often tell me that when they sit and listen to me speak, it feels like an eternity. So, uh, so great illustration. That mist compared to eternity. James is saying, we're focused so much on these plans, but actually in the, in the scope of eternity, our lives are just a vapor. I came across a quote that says this. It says, we constantly have the tendency to make this life the main event and eternity a footnote. Eternity is the main event. And only a fool lives as if this life is all there is. Since life is so brief, we, we can't afford to merely spend our lives. We certainly don't want to waste our lives. We must invest our lives in something that's more eternal. I thought of a couple of illustrations based on us here at Connect of, of folks like you who are here this morning, who are watching us online and the, the impact you've had, the eternal impact you've had as you've been a part of building this church. You've recognized that your life is more than just what you do here. The significance you do here can have an eternal impact. Back in April of 2018, we had a series we were in called Together for Washington. And the whole reason for the series was to take us to a point where, as a new church, we'd been around about five or six years, we were still in the middle school. Our dream was to put down roots in the community, to have a building of our own. But we knew as this new young church, that was a big, lofty goal to have because we, uh, we were smaller than we are now. We didn't have the, the financial situation that we had right now. We knew that if we were going to move into this new building, we would have to do um, a fundraiser. It was called a capital campaign. And we, uh, we went to the church in April of 2018 and we said, over the next three years, we would like to ask you to consider pledging to give over and above what you normally give so that we can move into a permanent location. Our goal back then in, in April of 2018 was to have 115 individuals or couples or families who called Connect Church, their church home, 115 um, groups of people to step forward and say, we want to be a part of this and we pledge to give this much over the next three years. And we were hoping that that would total up to $700,000. 
which for this pastor was a huge leap of faith to imagine that many people giving that much money over three years. It was stretching my faith to the limits, but I knew that if God would come through, then that would be the stepping stone we'd need to be able to to step forward into purchasing and renovating a permanent place. So for those who haven't heard the story, God blew us away. God took my my faith and says, yeah, that's good, but watch this. Because I believe we serve a God who wants to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. When it came to the Sunday for people to make those pledges, we had 157 different groups of people, individuals, couples, families, pledged to give a million dollars over three years. So back in 2018, some of you who are in this room, some of you who are watching online, you were a part of that campaign that said over the next three years, we want to give a total of a million dollars. And because of those pledges, we were able to move forward and purchase and renovate and now exist in this building that we now call home. We have eight months left in that campaign. And so far, in the bank, this isn't just pledges, this is money that has been given, we are at $805,000. That's incredible, yeah. I, I think if you're, uh, if you're giving a round of applause here locally or online, it's for you, because you've done that. And, and thanks to God for uh, inspiring your faith to do that. Because I've seen God at work so much in the last two and a half years, I know that in these eight remaining months, we're going to see the remainder of that money come in. I know that because many of you are following through on your pledges. And then there are new people who have joined Connect in the last two or three years who weren't here in April of 2018, but have said, I want to be a part of Build the Church. I want to be a part of that. And you've given online or you've written a check and said, hey, count me in. I want to be a part of that. Because whether you've given a dollar or thousands of dollars, every one of you who has given to that has given to the, the, the internal significance of what this building will become. You've helped to not only build the church, literally, but build the church in this community locally and globally. And those of you who have given recognize that my gift will be spread out over eternity. There are people who have discovered a relationship with Jesus because this building now exists. There are people whose lives have been changed as a result of the ministry that takes place in this building. There are people around the world whose lives have been changed for eternity because of what we're able to do from this building. You have played a part in not just this vapor that is your life, but in sowing in the way you did and giving in the way you did, it will have an eternal impact. We have folks who serve on a regular basis across all areas of ministry here at Connect. I had a great conversation recently with a young lady who works with Connect Kids and she was, she's a mom and she has preschool kids of her own and she serves in the preschool and we were kind of laughing about the fact that all week long she's looking after her preschoolers and then Sunday she gets to come and look after other people's preschoolers. She goes, why would I do that? But we were laughing because she knows why she does that. Because when she does that, it means that families who attend Connect and bring kids of their own are able to enjoy the service here without distraction and maybe hear God speak into their life because someone is caring for their kids. At the same time, these preschoolers and these kids, they're getting to hear how much God loves them for some wonderful volunteers. 
If you were a part of Team Connect in any way, from the greeters to the tech team to the worship team to Connect Kids, wherever you serve, what you are doing is making an eternal difference. And this is what James is talking about here. He's saying, compared to eternity, this life is a vapor. So I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that I do as much as I can in this life that has an impact in eternity. But it can be easy, kind of, to get caught up in our plans, to get caught up in the, the self-confidence of what I want to do. We do this, don't we? I do this. I recognize this in me. I know this is a part of who I am because if I'm out of town and I'm driving home and I pull up Google Maps and it tells me it'll take an hour and 10 minutes to get home, I'm like, no, it won't. <laughs> I'm going to do it in an hour because I'm in control. Google Maps isn't going to tell me how long it's going to take to get home. I'm going to get home in an hour. Challenge accepted. Because we're like that, aren't we? And anytime there's any kind of sense of control, we want to be in control. We want to take the wheel. And James is saying, don't, don't be distracted by that. Life is a vapor. Allow God to be a part of the plans you make. You, you have no idea what this life has in store for you, how long we've got. So do everything through God. And here's why. Listen to the verse he finishes with, verse 17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. He's writing to a group of people who have grown up in the Jewish culture where there's a list of laws and regulations they have to, to follow and uh, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal. So, so for them, they're trying not to sin by not doing the things they've been told not to do. Some of them were very proud of their righteous lies because there's a whole list of things that they weren't doing that other people were doing. And James is saying, hey, that's great. But you know, it's also a sin to know what you should be doing and not do it. In fact, the truth is, if you've been a part of this Build series, I need to apologize because every week, because of James, we're learning more and more about what we ought to be doing. You had this great excuse of ignorance <laughs> up till just a few months ago, and now James is saying, this is how we should use our tongue and use the words that we have with one another. This is how we should use wisdom. This is how we should treat people who look different than us or in different social status than us. These are all things that James has covered over the last few weeks. This is how we should treat our lives and the time that we've got here on, our, here on earth. Because if we don't, James is saying, you're stepping into disobedience, sin, disobeying God, because you know what you should be doing, but you're choosing to do something different. So what better year than 2020 when all our plans have been going out the window anyway? What better year than this year to refocus, to reframe our minds to say, God, I want to live a life where I submit all of my plans to you. Where I say, God, I want to live my life. I want to make a difference, an eternal difference. But I want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to boast about what I can do. I don't want to get caught up in self-confidence. I want to live saying, this is God's plan. This is what I want to do. Lord willing, if it's God's will, I want to do this. I want to do this. But I hope more than anything, God, I want to do what you would have me do. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. 
And we are just amazed as we've gone through this series over the last nine weeks how much of what James was teaching that needed to be taught to these people 2,000 years ago and yet still 2,000 years later is still just as relevant to us today. We need to hear these things. We get caught up in our own plans and our own agenda and our own self-confidence and we, we don't even know if we're promised tomorrow, Lord, so help us to keep you as a part of our lives every single day. And this vapor of life that we have, help us to, to make a significant difference in eternity. Let us focus all that we do through the lens of eternity. Say, God, I want to do something now that will change my life and the lives of others for years and years to come. We can't do this in our own strength, Lord, so we just ask you, Jesus, would you help us live this way? We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for being here this morning. Have a fantastic week, and I hope we'll see you again here next Sunday.